Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. Happy Friday. I love the Friday crowd. You're such committed, infinite learners, and your curiosity is going to be rewarded today. If you didn't meet today's guest during our SPI video series, well, you are in luck because Fatima Ahmad is one of the most knowledgeable folks I know on how Congress gets informed on the climate crisis and how they can take action. Did you even know that there's a House Select Committee on the climate crisis? (laughs) Neither did I. What's more, they've compiled a very comprehensive document to help guide legislators. And it's 547-page treasure trove of information. But you don't have to go digging through all of that yourself. No, no. That's why you listen to Suncast, my friend. And that is why Fatima is here with us today. We're going to give you the insider's notes on that report called Solving the Climate Crisis, the Congressional Action Plan for a clean energy economy and a healthy, resilient, and just America. So don't go anywhere. Remember, you can always find the resources and learn more about today's guests and recommendations, links, etc. over on the blog at mysuncast.com. For now, let's tune up your skills, Solar Warrior. It's time to tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. All right, Solar Warriors, if you were paying attention back in uh, September when we did our weekly roundup for Solar Power International, then perhaps you got a chance to scope five minutes of my interview with today's guest, Fatima Ahmad, Senior Counsel with the House Select Committee on Climate Crisis. I walked away from that interview fascinated with the work that Fatima is involved in and dissatisfied with the overall amount of time that I had to really unpack it. So Fatima promised that she'd come back and we're bringing her back today for this Tactical Tuesday to dig into this 500-page report that this House Committee created and and what it means for you and I, what we could do about it. So with that, welcome Fatima back to Suncast. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. Um, And as you can see, I have the hyperlink to the report um, on the screen here, and I'm happy to be a resource. So, you know, feel free to reach out uh, and I'm happy to answer questions. Absolutely. For those who aren't watching the video, perhaps I'll I'll encourage you to go check out LinkedIn or our YouTube channel to check the video uh, portion of this uh, of this recording. Fatima has a really cool background. uh, And Fatima, can you tell the viewers what the background symbolizes for those that maybe it's not it's not obvious? Yeah, sure. So this is our committee logo and it's a picture of the Capitol Dome. And behind it, we have the warming stripes, which show how average temperatures have been increasing. Um, And it's turned on its side. So the very top is bright red. And so those are the recent years where we've seen a lot of warming in the average temperature. So it's actually something to be concerned about, but it actually looks 
really pretty just as a background. Kind of looks. It like looks really background. cool. In fact, I'm gonna see if if your marketing folks can get me that 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 template because I'd like to see if there are ways that we can repurpose it for for Suncast. I'm I'm envious. I don't get a lot of envy for Zoom backgrounds, but today <laughs> I have to say I think you've got the best that I've seen in a long time. You know, one of the things I find and and some feedback that I got a couple of folks reached out and said, "Hey, I didn't even know th- there's a a House Select Committee on Climate Crisis." I mean. It, it's it sort of makes sense because the house is predominantly you know it's it's democrat controlled how many folks do you find are surprised that there's actually a committee on climate crisis that is bipartisan in the house yeah that's a good question so actually there is precedent for this the last time speaker pelosi was speaker she had created a select committee on global warming and energy independence but let's talk about why we need this committee Basically, climate change touches everything, right? And so there's different committees in the House with jurisdiction over different kinds of policies. There's an Energy and Commerce Committee. There's a Ways and Means Committee, which handles tax credits. There's a Natural Resources Committee. So if you want to fight the climate crisis, you need a comprehensive approach. You need to coordinate across these different committees. And so that's why in this 116th Congress, which is 2019 and 2020, Speaker Pelosi created the House Select Committee on the Climate Crisis. Um, As you mentioned, it is bipartisan. We have nine Democrats. We have six Republicans. They're from all over the country, different regions. And um, the goal here, our mandate was to write a report with recommendations for the other committees on what they should do to fight the climate crisis, right? So our our goal here, yeah, is to figure out what each committee needs to do on climate change. And what we did is we had an extensive stakeholder engagement process. We had a request for information We had, I think, over 600 substantive comments and tens of thousands of other comments just from individual citizens. Mm. We took all that information. We had hundreds of meetings in Washington, D.C. We had hearings. We had roundtables. And with that information, we created this Congressional Climate Action Plan. And, um, you know, it's really intended to be a living document. It's not intended to sit on the shelf. And so I'm excited to talk to you guys about it and how you can use it to advance clean energy. Fantastic. For those like me who perhaps have not participated in the policy side of our industry as as much as you maybe even would like to, uh, Mm -hmm. Fatima and I are going to explore through my own uh, insecurities and and, uh, (laughs) lack of knowledge, uh, how we could become better educated and not only how this applies to our work, but so that you can ask better questions, okay? I think that's really important that we educate ourselves about how the, the entirety of our industry works and how there are forces at work uh, that could benefit or stand in our way as our industry grows. So I'm, I'm really excited about the work that you guys are doing. And I think a lot of folks also maybe look at things like the Green New Deal uh, as legislation or they look at you know President-elect Biden's um, climate plan without context of all the work, years of work that go in to informing our legislators uh, on how they can think about policy informed by what their constituents have already said they want, right? It's not something that is made up. It's not something that is informed by just inside the Beltway lobbying. There's a lot of that, but it it also comes back to these committees that have been created. So thank you for giving us context around the different committees and how this has context and precedent. The report that you mentioned was that it was released back uh, at the end of June, and we talked about it a bit in our first interview, and it lays out a roadmap for what you uh, claim as an ambitious climate plan, and, and I would agree, a plan to put Americans back to work, save lives, and help the United States reach net zero by 2050. A bold claim 
by any standard and an ambitious one that we all uh, are eager to see worked out. But it's 500 pages. One of the things as a, as an AD, adult ADHD sufferer I have trouble with is even figuring out where to start. So let's just start at the top with what are the key takeaways for folks in the clean energy business? If they were to want to read this or, or maybe you give us the script notes and some people will avoid reading it. Yeah, thanks. And actually, maybe I should start by uh, referencing, you mentioned the Green New Deal resolution. So that's a resolution in the House that's aspirational, and it talks about the kind of vision for a clean energy economy. So what we did is we created a legislative plan. It's an action plan. And so some of the takeaways here, number one, it's consistent with the science on climate change. And I can talk about that in a minute. Number Mm -hmm. two, it's ambitious, but it's also specific. So we have the big goals, but we also have specifics in terms of citing existing legislation and identifying where there are gaps and it's modular, right? So it's 500 pages of different building blocks and you can enact them separately or together depending on the legislative vehicle that's available. And we have recommendations for every sector of the economy from you know, electricity to transportation to agriculture and forestry. Um, we even have a lot of recommendations on resilience, which has to do t- yeah. with adapting to climate impacts that are already baked in and are already happening. Yeah. On that note, I find that there are folks savvy entrepreneurs that I've interviewed who will go and read intellectual property reports and deep sort of scientific studies coming out of national labs and universities by way of finding ideas that they can build upon, right? Things that point to the future of the way an industry is going to go. Do you suppose that this document contains context that industry energy uh, or energy industry, clean energy industry in particular, entrepreneurs might want to read as a way of thinking about what the next four to 10 years kind of looks like from a policy perspective and how they could align their businesses. I mean, it just occurs to me that that seems like a smart thing to do. Yes, absolutely. So the easiest way to break this down on our website, we have a bunch of one pagers. So depending on what you're interested in, that's the electricity sector. We have a one pager fact sheet just explaining what our main recommendations in electricity are. Um, So you can take it that way. Another way is to just pull up the PDF and do a word search. So if you're interested in microgrids, for example, just do a word search for microgrids. You'll find all of the building blocks on microgrids. And what this will tell you, you know, you mentioned some, you know, you know, government reports kind of talking about the future. What our report represents is where there are areas of consensus among stakeholders. So if you want to know what are people thinking about how we can make the grid more resilient to climate impacts? I know that's an important topic, but I don't know what people are suggesting we do about it. You can just word search for resilient grid or electric grid. And we have a whole section on that. So that's how I would uh, recommend approaching the report is think about a topic you're interested in and just search our report. You'll see what legislators to date have introduced that would be helpful. And yeah. we have building blocks where we don't cite any legislation because no one has introduced it yet. So that's where there's a gap. That's where you can talk to your members of Congress and say, listen, the select committee said this is an important concept. No one's introduced a bill on it. Do you want to do it? We'll work with you. That's fascinating. So in uh, my home state of North Carolina, we have the local level uh, Congress and then we have the federal Congress. Is that something I would take to my state representative that is going to Washington? Is it something that I would want to build a coalition around at a state level and try to see if I can get it here local? Does it work both ways? Yeah, that's a really good point. So what we've seen in the last four years in the absence of federal leadership on climate change, 
states and cities have really been taking a leadership role. And so one thing we heard from stakeholders loud and clear was, first, do no harm, protect the ability of state and local governments to go further and be ambitious on climate change. So we have woven that throughout our report. But as to your question, yeah, I mean, I think pretty much whatever topic on climate change you're interested in, if you find a recommendation in our report that you support or you think you can build on, feel free to reach out to your member of Congress. So that's going to be your federal representative going to Congress and uh, educate them on what you think um, that means in terms of like, if there is a bill, are they a co-sponsor? If there isn't a bill, do they want to introduce one? Yeah, there's lots of existing coalitions, but you know, I think what we need is we need members to see that this matters to folks in their districts. And uh, it's a great opportunity for folks to take something that's a work product of Congress and use it to move the policy conversation forward. Yeah, I, th- I think that one of the things we can do as advocates, and I'll call on you, Solar, uh, solar Warriors, to consider this. I would wager that with all the deluge of information, a, a lot of folks just take for granted, like, oh, somebody's doing that. With the deluge of information coming at our uh, representatives, it's quite possible. It's highly probable. You could be the person, the only person to introduce the fact that this report exists to some legislators and surface it to them by being that advocate for this content and putting context around it. It's that whole uh, starfish story, right? It, it matters the work that you do and that you take action, not to sit back and think, oh, well, somebody else will save uh, save the planet. I'm doing my little pl- my part here at a state level. Pretty much all of our work is on some level policy driven. It's one of the reasons I wanted to have Fatima here. So I, I don't want to get too caught up in uh, our own independent personal role and civic duty to help push legislation forward and to be educated. That's why I do these kinds of interviews. And hopefully you're watching and listening here because you're hoping to as well uh, kind of short circuit your own friction in in understanding how this all works. You, you mentioned, uh, and maybe this will come into my next question, you mentioned that it was consistent with the science on climate change. So fi- fighting climate crisis is often framed as a choice between economic growth and environmental protection. Your report highlights, however, that climate-related opportunities uh, exist. Could you tell us a little more about the science behind it and the climate-related opportunities that your report helps us uh, uncover? Yeah, sure. So the point about it being consistent with the science is that, you know, we came up with all of these policies based on what we heard from stakeholders, and we wanted to do a little bit of quantification to see what kind of results would these policies achieve if they're enacted. So we modeled a subset of the recommendations. Not all of them can be easily modeled because, for example, if you recommend investing in R&D, it's hard to know exactly what that will yield. But we took a subset of the recommendations. They were modeled. And um, it found that this action plan would lead the United States to reach net zero carbon dioxide emissions before 2050. And so that is in line with the IPCC recommendations for limiting warming to 1.5 degrees. You know, we also found that there would be a lot of health and climate benefits. So we would avoid 62,000 premature deaths annually by 2050, because if you enact all of these policies, you're going to reduce air pollution, fine particulate matter pollution that uh, kills a lot of folks. So your question about jobs and economic growth, I think, is a really good one. So at the end of 2019, there were over 3.4 million workers in clean energy. Now, this is before COVID, of course. You guys know some of the fastest growing jobs in the country are in wind and solar energy. And we just saw a new report from this group called E2 that shows that clean energy jobs pay better than the national median wage. So that's good news. And looking forward, you know, we've seen studies that show that cleaning up the electric sector could lead to more than half a million new jobs every year. 
We also saw a study specifically on the eastern interconnection, which is the eastern half of the country, and it showed that these jobs would be in every state in the eastern interconnect. The bottom line is that there are a lot of jobs in upgrading and expanding the electric grid. But even beyond that, when we invest in infrastructure, there's a lot we can do to create new jobs and we can strengthen labor protection. So we have a lot of recommendations in our report for you know, broader use of Buy American, Davis-Bacon prevailing wage requirements. But the thing is we want folks to see themselves in the clean energy future. We wanna build more climate solutions in the United States. So one thing we can do is we can retool existing manufacturing facilities in the Midwest so that they can build climate solutions like EVs, right? So we believe strongly that there is an opportunity for new industries and new supply chains in the United States. You know, progress and change are not achieved by standing still. We must challenge the status quo and do things differently. There are moments in time that change the course of our history. And for us, that time has come, a moment to act now for a brighter solar future. In a global scenario where the demand for renewable energy is constantly growing, solar has the power to shape new and powerful energy models to drive progress and prosperity for a sustainable world. At Suncast, we stand with FEMER, and together we can shape the future of solar. Learn more about how FEMER is changing the future of solar at solar.femer.com. That's solar.femer.com. I've been wondering, what's your least favorite solar asset management activity? You know, those daily, weekly, sometimes monthly deliverables that you just have to check off the list but can be such a drag. Well, let me tell you how to press the easy button and get going on the work that really matters by automating your invoicing and ticketing and reporting with PowerHub. Focus on the work that you want to do. Take the boring stuff off your plate with PowerHub. You can go to powerhub.com forward slash suncast to learn more. I love that you're citing so much data and statistics. Uh, I didn't know about the E2 report. I'll definitely have to find that and link to it in the show notes. And I am one of those who is uh, a resounding gong right now on everything we do that we firmly believe yesterday uh, at the time of recording this, yesterday we released an episode from our career summit back in September where we talk about how clean energy job, jobs can lead the recovery. Abby Hopper was one of the speakers, and uh, and it was a fascinating conversation pointing to a lot of the statistics around sort of how we have shown career growth in the last 10 years. I'm going to encourage folks to go take a look at, in particular, the electricity sector of the report. It's all kind of designed around these uh, pillars, which I'll get into a minute about the, the basic structure of how the report is designed, because I feel like I want, I want folks to be surgical in approaching it in a way as a, a, a build your own strategy an encyclopedia instead of feeling like you have to read the whole 500 pages. But back to the jobs point, I agree with you and concur. There's a look, there's going to be a ton of retooling. There's going to be a ton of retraining, but we have an opportunity right now to create, like you said, a half a million new jobs, which is unprecedented for the energy sector to be able to lead the, to lead again, the end, the, uh, the, the rebuilding of our American economy. And I'm really excited about uh, about that. If you'd like me to kind of walk through how we organize the report, I can do that if that's helpful for folks who are listening or watching. Yeah, I think it would. There's a deluge of information and I don't want folks to get lost on uh, just thinking about the pillars because some of the pillars, while uh, they go deep in a topic, it might not lead them necessarily to specific insights on clean energy. So if you would, that'd be fantastic. Help us understand how to navigate it from the perspective of someone in the energy uh, industry and clean energy in particular. 
Yeah, I think so. If, you know, I think if you want to start with the executive summary, that's where the pillars are the most helpful because it kind of lays out the overall uh, worldview of the report in a thematic way. So, you know, one of the first pillars is invest in infrastructure to build a just, equitable and resilient clean energy economy. That's pretty big. And within that, as you might imagine, we have electricity sector recommendations, transportation sector recommendations, building sector recommendations. So if you are more of a policy wonk, you'll kind of think about things in terms of sector and you can just jump right to the sectors. But if you just want to you know, sit back and kind of take in a broader view, you can start with the executive summary and just kind of read how all of these things are organized. Um, you know, we tried to highlight major themes with the pillars. So for example, there is a whole pillar on um, investing in disproportionately exposed communities to cut pollution and advance environmental justice. That's a pretty big theme for us. So it yeah. had its own pillar. And within that, we have specific recommendations. Thank you for that. You know, it does seem like there is a growing awareness of the need for environmental justice. How does environmental justice feature in the section that you just mentioned for the report? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, I mean, I think the first thing I should say is that environmental justice is a cornerstone of our report, and we believe it should be a cornerstone of climate and environmental policy. Well, before you jump into exactly what it means, can you just quickly define how the environmental justice within the context of the report and then unpack for us how it's featured in the report? Yeah, for sure. We actually, you know, that's a really good question. And we had a definition of environmental justice in the report because sometimes people will ask uh, what exactly it means. But basically, there are a lot of communities around the country um, often they tend to be low-income communities, often they tend to be black and brown communities, where we have disproportionate exposure to environmental pollution. And this is legacy pollution that exists today, and we need to address it, right? We can't separate climate change from addressing these legacy environmental concerns. So that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. So basically, the concept here is we need to fight the climate crisis, but we need to do so in a way that is equitable. So we need to address these legacy pollution concerns. And what we did is we tied environmental justice to the national target, because if you have a national target, you need to keep checking, are we on progress to meet that target? And so in our report, we say, as we do that, we should also stop and check and determine if we are increasing disproportionate environmental pollution in communities. And the point here is that we want the government to be asking the right questions. What is happening with the concentration of pollution? Are we creating disproportionate impacts? So it's tied to the national target. We also included it in our clean energy standard because the goal here is as we move to a 100% net zero um, electricity sector, we should also be addressing these legacy pollution concerns. We also wove environmental justice throughout the report. So we think that environmental justice communities should be a priority for investments and grants, which we recommend in both the electric and transportation sectors and you know, in buildings as well. We also, as you mentioned, we have a separate section on environmental justice. And this is where we get into more specific concerns like, number one, we have to increase enforcement of our existing environmental laws that you know, try to ensure clean air and clean water. We also recommended a private right of action under the Civil Rights Act for disparate environmental impacts. And we know a lot of these environmental justice groups are community organizations. So we recommend building their capacity through grants and technical assistance. So we really tried to make sure that it was woven throughout the report and it also had its own standalone section and that it's tied into the targets that we're trying to achieve. 
Well, Fatima, I really appreciate you digging in to the structure and the context of this report. As I mentioned, it's it's a tour de force for anyone who wants to read cover to cover. And I think that this conversation will help folks parse kind of where they can dip their toe in. And I agree with you, the the executive summary, I think it's just a couple of pages, is a great place to start. The website, which we'll link to in the show notes, goes into, and if you're watching this, it's as, uh, as Fatima said, it's right there beside her on her screen uh, and easy to find. It's climate, I'm going to see if I can, it's sideways for me. So climatecrisis.house.gov slash report for those yeah. who are listening and you just want to, you got a great memory. I mentioned that this report came out in June. A lot has transpired since June. So what has the select committee been focused on in the meantime from June to now? Yeah, that's a really good question. And actually, you know, we were supposed to have our report come out at the end of March, but then the pandemic changed our plans. Between March and June, what we did is we added a lot more on like the resilience of the healthcare infrastructure system. We added more about opportunities to get folks back to work in the clean energy economy, because now we have this economic recovery situation that we need to address. And then after the report came out at the end of June, we have pivoted towards implementing the recommendations. So what that means is, as I mentioned, it's 500 pages of building blocks. Some of them cite existing legislation. Some of them identify gaps where we don't have bills yet. So we've been working with members of the Democratic Caucus who are interested in introducing bills. And our goal here is to have all of the pieces ready to go for the next Congress, right? Maybe not everything will get introduced as Congress, but we hope to have draft bills for all of these policies so that when the political window opens, we are ready to go. We're not then just starting a process of reaching out to stakeholders on putting all of this together. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, we've just uh, come through uh, historic elections. No one, uh, I believe, has been uh, in a closet un- unaware that uh, not only are we seeing it's just such an interesting time politically. I think we're going to see a lot more folks actually engaged in the political process because of what we've experienced in the last four years and yes. and the historic elections that we've just gone through. It looks like Congress, uh, the, the House of Representatives, uh, is going to remain majority Democratic, still up for grabs right now, uh, the Senate. But in January, nonetheless, a new Congress, 117th, will be sworn in. How will this new Congress implement the recommendations, the select committee's action plan? What do, what could you share with us? Uh, and I'll tag on to that. And how can we help? Yeah, that's a great question. So as I mentioned, again, the climate action plan is modular. Different building blocks can be moved separately, can be moved together. So we, you know, I think that in the 117th, some of the top priorities, of course, are going to be addressing this COVID crisis, getting some economic recovery. So there's a huge opportunity for infrastructure, which can include climate solutions. We saw that with the 2009 Recovery Act, which had a lot of great provisions for clean energy. And the House has passed the Moving Forward Act, which was the House Infrastructure Bill. And it does have a lot of climate solutions. You know, there's a lot of overlap with our report. And right now, the Democrats basically in the House, whenever there's a moving legislative vehicle, we look for opportunities to include climate solutions. Climate change is a high priority for House Democrats. As you mentioned, we'll see what happens in the Senate with the runoffs in Georgia. And we are looking to be a strong partner with the Biden administration as they ramp up their efforts on climate change. President-elect Biden has signaled that it's one of his top four priorities. I think he said it's, you know, COVID, economic recovery, racial justice, and climate change. So I think House Democrats will definitely be a strong partner. And um, in terms of how folks can be helpful or can be involved, 
as I mentioned, we have this comprehensive climate action plan now. So to the extent you look at the building blocks and you're like, that's a really great policy. I really want to see this move forward. Now is a great time to educate your members on why it's important to you as somebody in their district, because they need to know what the implications are for their district. And, you know, there might be policies and you want to look up, like, is my member a co-sponsor of this bill or not? This is a great time to have those conversations. How would they be able to do that? Yeah. So, you know, I think that, for example, if you're interested, uh, let's say community solar, for example, you can word search for community solar in our report and it will mention the bill if there is one and there is on community solar. And then you can just go to congress.gov, put in the bill number and it'll show you a list of the co-sponsors. So you can see if your House of Representative member is a co-sponsor. So this is just a great way to see if you are being represented by your representatives and they want to know what are the implications for their districts. They want to hear from their constituents. Well, that is fantastic. I mean, it's little simple things like this. I, I, many, and many, I can remember a year ago, I didn't realize that Congress.gov was a place I would go to find out if I'm representing a bill. I think that that's important information to share over and over. So I'm grateful for your, uh, for your taking the time to do that. I also really genuinely appreciate your taking the time on a government holiday to spend time with us, the Suncast audience, and help us unpack what is, I believe, a very forward-thinking, uh, actionable plan that has been put in place uh, over the last uh, several years now uh, with the House Select Committee on Climate Crisis. And I hope that you will be able to uh, take this work forward into the 117th Congress. I'm hopeful that President-elect Biden, Vice President Harris, will not only adopt, uh, but will create executive movement around momentum for the things that you and your committee have championed. Uh, and I want to thank you as, <clears throat> as, a, as a member of the clean energy community for helping uh, aggregate this information in a way that's digestible and actionable. Uh, and on, the, on behalf of the, of the Suncast tribe, uh, I want to ask everyone to go take a look at this report. We'll link to it in the show notes and, uh, and reach out to Fatima and express your gratitude as well. I think that the work that you guys are doing is Yeoman's work. It's stuff that doesn't get recognized uh, as much as it, as it probably should. Yeah. Thanks. I really appreciate that. And honestly, um, you know, feel free to take a look at the report. If you have questions about how you can be engaged, feel free to reach out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're here to serve the public and we want to engage members constituents because I think um, members of the democratic caucus are really excited about climate change and um, so we're happy to make connections wherever we can. Yeah, so we'll link to Fatima's uh, LinkedIn. Uh, is there an email that you'd be comfortable sharing? Honestly, I think if they reach out to you, maybe we can just connect that way. Fantastic. Reach out to me. I'll make the connection between, uh, between you and Fatima if you have questions. It also allows me to know who in our tribe is taking action, who is engaged. Uh, so, well, thanks once again, Fatima, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Look forward to checking in with you in January, see how things are progressing. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Fatima, thank you once again for taking the time to help the Suncast Tribe be more informed. Dear Suncast Tribe listeners, thank you for listening all the way through to the end. As Trevor Noah says, if you didn't know, now you know. And of course, you can find the links, resources, highlights, etc. The deep dive of information if you choose to go down the rabbit hole from this and Frankly, all the other discussions that we have on Suncast, along with social media links, guest recommendations, and more at mysuncast.com. 
I've taken the care on the blog page for this episode to list all the links, the executive summary, the contact details for Fatima, the reports that we discuss, etc. right there in the show notes. And if you've been wondering how you can partner with Suncast as a sponsor, get coaching from me personally to help scale your clean energy business, transition to the clean energy industry, become a guest, or maybe just commune with other like-minded souls in one of our many communities, you can find all of that over at mysuncast.com. Go poke around. Thanks once again to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. You can learn more about our sponsors at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. And if you're curious about sponsoring, that's all. We're also where you can check out how you and I can have a conversation about just that very thing. It's Friday. I won't keep you any longer. Thank you so much for your time. Remember, you are what you listen to. So thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. <laughs>